I want to thank you for being here tonight, especially for visiting with us. We're so glad that you're here and invite you to be back with us throughout the remainder of any time that you can. we got the gospel meeting going this week, and we appreciate everyone that's here. Is this thing on? Can you hear me? All right, good. I want to thank everyone that worked so hard putting this study together. Uh, there are several of you that, that aren't uh, participating in this particular speaking this week, but you worked hard putting this study together, and I want to thank you so much for that. There are several capable men throughout the congregation that could be giving these lessons, and, and uh, we appreciate your input. We appreciate, uh, again, your part of this development of this study. I want to, again, thank you for being here and being a part of this study and having interest in this gospel meeting. I recognize this is not our typical type of gospel meeting, and it may be one you're not so excited about. Uh, look, I, I realize and recognize that. Uh, but this is something that's very important to our congregation. It's something that affects each and every one of us. The teaching of the congregation, that being good teaching. And uh, we want to help and work and develop that. And uh, David gave us a very good uh, introduction about a month or so ago, I guess, when he talked about the importance of teaching and how every one of us in some phase of our life are a teacher to someone else. We're teaching someone in some particular way, whether that be our children, whether that be our grandchildren, whoever that is, each and every one of us are involved in teaching someone about Christ, if you're a Christian. And we're all called to do that with the Great Commission. Uh, God and Christ has asked us to go and spread the gospel and tell others about Jesus Christ and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we'll be talking about that throughout the week. And, and again, we appreciate that. It is our goal... Um, as a congregation, as teachers of the church, and I think that is summed up very well in Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. It's our goal for every teacher that we would prepare our heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it in our life, and to teach it to this congregation as, as Ezra did to Israel, the Lord's statutes, His judgments, His word. That's our goal. That's, that's every person that gets up here and addresses a congregation, prepare your heart, do the Word of God, speak it um, like it is the Word of God. This is so important, and it's something we want to continue to develop in our congregation, not just throughout this weekend, but from now on. We want to try to implement some things where we will work together with, uh, with one another as a congregation, developing young men and helping others and ourselves, everyone that gets up here to be a better speaker. So that's something that we want to do uh, throughout time. I want to tell you that I believe that overall the teaching in here in Amarillo is pretty good. But I'll also tell you it's not always been that way. It's better than it has been in the past, and there's some things that have led up to it improving, and I'll share several of those things with you tonight. And uh, hopefully that will touch you as it's has touched me in my life and been an important part of that. I'll tell you right now, when I first started going to church with Cheryl, I, I didn't grow up in the Church of Christ. I grew up in one of the denominational churches, and we started dating in college. She invited me to church, and I came to church with her. And she'll tell you right up front, one of the first things I said was, look, man, the singing's great, everything else is great, but the preaching stinks. The preaching's no good. I mean, that was something that, I saw as an outsider early on in the church, and it wasn't just here in Amarillo. It was other places that I visited too. I think it's been a universal problem for a long time. I think overall it is improving because people are recognizing, hey, this is a problem. This is an issue. 
And uh, again, uh, that's just something that I noticed early on in the church. Now, during our study um, and our working together, we're going to come uh, become a more cohesive teaching team. Look, we're not just we're not one person that's in this together. We don't believe in the one-man preacher system. There's a bunch of us that all work together, and we have a mutual edification as we are all teaching a congregation. Many of us are teaching and addressing the congregation. And we're striving to improve and to do better serving the Lord and be more like Ezra that we talked about this evening. And one thing that we want to do this week, and we're going to do specifically Saturday morning, is provide feedback for you. We've Several people have signed up for our Saturday morning um, time that we'll get together and work on little sermonettes and scripture readings and other things. One thing we're going to do during that time is provide feedback and say, hey, you might want to try this. You might want to do this different. And look, it's not to embarrass anyone. We're all on the same team. We all want each other to excel and be the best teacher that we can be. Just like when we go to school, there's teachers that, that teach us and they test us. You know, none of us like tests, but the tests are there for a specific reason, a specific purpose, that we would get better, that we would improve, that we can see where we're at and see what we need to do to make improvements in our teaching or in, in the school setting in that way. So we're going to provide feedback in that way. And again, all the feedback is given in love. We're not making fun of each other. We all need that feedback. We all need a pushing. Sometimes we need a, uh, some critical advice. Of telling me, I remember one time when I was speaking, uh, someone told me, you said off times in your lesson 17 times today. I'm like, I don't even say the word off times. Well, they said, well, you did today. <laughs> and you said it a lot. It was critical uh, advice that I was given. And then I started thinking about it, you know. And I caught myself trying to say this goofy word that I don't ever say again in the lesson. Maybe I heard someone else say that. I don't know why I was saying it. But there's things like that that we can pick up on, other people may pick up on and help me and push me to and persuade me to do better. So that's one thing that we want to do and encourage one another. One thing I also want to encourage you to do is grade yourself. You know, we talked about school teachers. Grade yourself on the sermon that you just gave. Was that a C sermon? <laughs> Did it even make the grade? Did it even pass? You know, could try to grade yourself and push yourself in that way. That's something that I try to do on a regular basis. And I know it's sometimes there's subjects that we're more uh, passionate about. You're going to do a better job. You're going to give an A sermon on that. Some subjects maybe you're not so thrilled about or whatever. You're not so passionate about. And it may not be as good a sermon. I know it's not just A plus every time, but that's our goal. And that's what we're striving for. <clears throat> I want to describe to you for a moment, and we've kind of backed off this in a, in a way. Uh, there's several of you that may have moved in and, and we haven't kind of developed what we used to have in the past as far as sending your notes in. Me and Craig have asked all the speakers of the congregation to send their notes to us at least the service before they're going to give it. And th that's not to be critical in any way. That is to help and to look over. And we like to look through those sermons and kind of say, hey, you know, you've made this point already on slide three and four and five so take one of them out <laughs> you know maybe you made this point too many times or maybe this point that you're making is very relevant and the scriptures do teach that but this scripture that you're using in this account is not teaching that so these are the type of things we all we try to pick up on and um, all these men that are speaking this week 
if you feel comfortable and you want to send your sermon to them, they'll be more than happy to look and give you feedback. And I can't tell you how beneficial that is. That's one thing I think that has developed and helped our teaching over time as we kind of send our sermons out to different ones. And we had a kind of an email group that would go back and forth. What do you think about this? What do I need to do on this particular slide? And I can't tell you how much that helped me in my speaking. And, and I, I encourage you to do that. And it, it's nothing but helpful to you. Again, these men are not here to make fun of you. They're not in this position this week because they're better than you, because they're better speakers than you. There are many of you that are out there very capable and are just not involved in, in this particular week and may do it a different time instead of some of us that are doing it this week. So again, God bless you, and we thank you so much for your service for the church. Usually we send out emails as far as our list. We try to make uh, two months speaking schedules at a time, and we desire confirmation that you can speak on that day so we can uh, switch up those dates if it doesn't work for you. So, again, that's just a, a few of the things. If you have any questions about that at any point in time, please ask me and Craig. And, uh, again, I know I'm kind of dragging this out, but a lot of information I wanted to, to say in the, first, in the first slide as, as we get started. The intended purpose of this study is very important, very beneficial, that each of us would excel, like we've already said, and do our best, and to train teachers, to t train people to teach the Word of God the best that they can do. So, you know, I want to tell you, too, about my first experience teaching. And some of you probably have had a similar experience. The first time I ever spoke was in Plainview. And I was given the assignment of a chapter study over Hebrews chapter 4. And basically, uh, and I'm not, you know, downplaying what they've done there. We've done the same thing here as well. I was given this chapter study. Put that together, tried to read through commentaries, didn't really have a clue on what I was teaching, what it said, what it meant. I had everything written out word for word. I talked to my father-in-law, and he said, look, if you, I, I write mine out word for word. That's the way I do mine. But he didn't read through it. He, did, he looked up from his paper. But I looked up the first time. There's four million eyeballs looking at me, and I looked straight down. And I never looked up again. I was scared to death, and it was terrible. It was awful. And I, I was so disappointed. I was so upset. I went to the car right after church. And I went and said the car. And I said, I ain't never doing that again. I will never speak again. And I don't want you to have a similar circumstance in your life. I don't want you to have a similar uh, experience as that. And you might say, well, why did you? <laughs> why did you start speaking again? Well, I sat through so many terrible, pathetic sermons that I thought, well, I can do that good. If that's all we're expecting, if that's all that, that we're looking for, I can do that. So I got back up again. And look, I know it takes practice, and, and it's not going to be perfect every time. And we want to provide opportunity for you. Because some of us can do it, and some of us can't. And Noah's going to talk a little bit more about that. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> so as uh, I've got 20 minutes, so I've got to hurry up now. As me and Craig are elders of this congregation, we do have a special responsibility to you that the congregation would be fed, that you would be nourished. These words of feeding the flock and feeding the church of God, that means to nourish. That means to supply what your soul needs to be spiritually grow and spiritually mature, to grow as a Christian. 
And I want to tell you that that's an awesome responsibility and we take it very seriously. And we want that to happen for our congregation, for our church. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever worried about, maybe there's a visitor in the, in the audience and maybe Brother So-and-so is speaking tonight. And you've had that feeling in the pit of your stomach like, oh man, why couldn't he have come on a different night? Why couldn't he have come when Jason was speaking or somebody like that? You know, somebody who was really good. Why could, not when Carrie was speaking. <laughs> Why couldn't he come on a different time? I've had that feeling before. I've had that thought before. And I want to tell you, don't be that guy. Don't be the man that is standing up here and people are thinking that about you. And that takes work and that takes effort. And that takes preparation on our part. I want to tell you that teaching is vitally important. And I use that word for a reason because I believe it to be true. The word vital. When I think about vital, I might think about hunting and I'm trying to hit the deer in the vital spot where he'll die. Teaching is vitally important because if it's not in place, if it's not good, if it's not where it needs to be, it kills the church. The church dies. It's hard to grow. And we've been in that position before. It's a very important topic to me personally because it's difficult to accomplish church growth without it. There was a man that came to church that was from Bell Avenue. He visited our church several times on Sunday afternoons. It didn't conflict with his um, church and the times that they were having services. We had 2 o'clock service, so he came several Sunday afternoons in a row. And he would. I talked to him after church. He said, man, that singing was great. Man, I really enjoyed it. This was several years ago. He said, I really enjoyed everything about it. A few weeks went by, and he quit coming. And we went, Craig and I went to his house to visit with him. And we said, hey, man, we've been missing you. We really enjoyed having you. And, uh, you know, what happened? Why did you quit coming? He said, the teaching's just no good. Teaching is not where it needs to be. So he quit coming. And that was kind of a punch in the gut that I think helped push us to the point we are now. To the point we're having a gospel meeting about teaching and how important this is. And I think you can recognize that and how important it is in your life and everyone here. Because it affects the entire congregation. It's so important that in every aspect of our worship that we excel, that we do our best. So what is our purpose for worshiping and specifically teaching in the worship service? Well... As you think about this verse here, but if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Our purpose is to worship God, to glorify him and his righteousness, what he's done for us. So what does that mean? That means to praise him, to magnify, to celebrate, to honor Jesus Christ, to honor God. Because what he's done for us. That's why we're here. And I want to look at this word for just a minute, prophesy. And we're going to use this word interchangeably tonight with teaching. Now I recognize that none of us up here are prophets. (laughs) We didn't receive a direct revelation from God in delivering that to you. But really we have. Because we've received the word of God that he has written down for us. It is a message from God that we have received. And we are translating that to you. And we need to do that in a skilled way, in a skilled fashion. So we're going to use those words interchangeably tonight, prophecy and teaching, or prophesy and teaching. You know, in the Old Testament, 
as you remember, God was fed up with their sacrifices. As they gave sacrifices, they were giving the lame and the maim and the blind and the sorry animals that they had out in their herds and in the fields. And he said, that's not what we're looking for here. He's looking for our very best. The first fruits, the very first, the very best is the sacrifice that he wants from us. And that's the sacrifice that the church needs from you, speakers. When you get up here, we need you to do your very best, the best that you can do. And it may take getting out of your comfort zone, and we're going to talk more about that this week too. So there's some things that we're going to uh, invite you to do or wish that you would. And, you know, part of the purpose behind this is is when even visitors come into our con- congregation, it talks about one that believes not or one that's unlearned, but they see that there's something here. There's something special. God is in you of a truth. When a visitor comes in, they should see surely the presence of God is in this place. I can see that there's something special there. I tell you, not many years ago, there was a man from Lasbuddy, and he's been here several times to our congregation. He goes to a church down in Lasbuddy, and he said, I visited, he'll go on Sunday evenings to different places, and he said, I visited probably 25 to 30 churches over the last five years. And he said, I want to tell you, you got something special here. You need to be happy. You need to be proud. So we've come a long ways. And that makes me proud. It makes me want to cry. Because we've come a long ways. And we appreciate your effort in that. So let's talk about edification for just a moment. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. I'm going to talk about these three things as we wind up tonight. What does edification mean? Well, that means building up or promoting someone else's growth, another's growth in Christian wisdom or in holiness. In spiritual maturity. I mean, we need to ask ourselves, is this happening in our congregation? Ask yourself, is that happening when I'm speaking? Is the church being built up? Are they learning? Are they promote, is growth being promoted? Out of all the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 4 through 5, when it talks about the assembly of the church, the ability to edify the congregation was to be desired among uh, above all those other gifts. And why is that? Because everyone benefits. The entire congregation benefits and is blessed by that. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6, it talks about, the, or Christ talks, God talks about, excuse me, about uh, His people being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. You see, what happened was the children of Israel were ignorant. There was no truth. There was no mercy. There was no forgiveness in the land. And they ceased from obeying the Lord. If you'll read that section of verses. No knowledge of God. You see, when we don't do our best, we don't excel, what happens over time? Well, the teaching just gets worse. It goes down. We don't push each other. And it comes to a point in the land or in the congregation that we all suffer. There's a lack of knowledge. When we're not doing our part in the home, I know it starts in the home. Fathers and mothers, it's your responsibility to teach your children. But that's the responsibility of the church here as we get together too, that we would all teach one another, admonish one another. If we're not building each other up and growing spiritually in wisdom and being more holy, we are failing to keep the Lord's command. We're missing the mark that He set for us. How many minutes have I gone? I know it's been forever. (laughs) Let's talk about exhortation for a minute. Trying to persuade a person for a response. 
trying to, it's a persuasive discourse. It's a stirring address. It's a powerful dissertation as we're speaking to someone. What are we trying to do when we get up here? We're trying to persuade someone. You see, this is a powerful time that we have to speak to people and try to make a a change not only in our own life, just like Ezra was, living it in his own life, but trying to uh, get someone else to repent and to live it daily in their life, to convict, to to reprove. As we think about Ezekiel in chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, God told him, he said, Ezekiel, I want you to warn the wicked to turn from their wickedness. And I want you to warn the righteous to not turn away from their righteousness. And he said, if you'll do these things, your soul will be delivered. But if you don't do these things, if you don't warn them, their blood will be required upon your hand or on your head. Think about that, speakers. We have an awesome responsibility. Some important things that we need to be doing and partaking in. Paul, as he was in uh, Ephesus, he called for the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. And he said, look, I've been with you three years, warning you day and night that after my departure, after I leave, there's going to be false teachers that enter in just like wolves. And they're not going to spare the flock. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready for that event as it takes place. See how powerful his discourse, his, his speech was to them and he wanted them to do. As we think about exhortation, again, we think of that, that the man of God may be perfect. Why are we up here? Why do we want to excel at this? That we may all be complete, thoroughly furnished in all good works, knowing what we need to do and following after those things. Paul told Timothy, preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. In James chapter 5, it talks about converting someone, causing them to repent, convicting, conviction of sin. And turning from your way. And it hides a multitude of sins. You see how important these things are. And we need to be uh, persuaded and do these things. You know the people that get up here. The men that get up here. We're just messengers of the word of God. There's nothing special that any man has. There's no special power. Special ability that anyone has. But we have um, the powerful word of God. It's the word of God that changes lives. It's nothing that I say. Nothing that I can do that will change someone's life. It's the power that is given in the Word. But we need to be skilled in our way that we try to teach that Word to someone else. And that's something we're going to work on this week together. And finally, comfort. When we come together, we need to edify and exhort and comfort. To, to not give up. To remember we're called to righteousness. To encourage one another. It's very encouraging to me to come to the services and to see you and spend time with you every week. That word means calming. It means consolation. It's, an, it's one thing that we get from our assemblies is we encourage one another. You know, there's rough days and rough times. Sometimes we have bad weeks. Now, my dad was in the hospital last weekend, and it's not a pleasant time. Several of you called. Several of you texted. And it's very comforting. It's very consoling. And I appreciate it very much. Because we love one another. And we're involved in one another's lives. And finally, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, Paul talks about, look, you're not people that don't have hope. You're not like other people out in the world. You have hope of the resurrection. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Comfort each other with these words. There's coming a day of judgment. But you don't have to be part of that because you're going to meet him in the clouds and live with him. In heaven, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, there are many mansions in my Father's house. 
and I'm going to prepare a place for you. How comforting. Knowing, he said, I'll return again. I'll come again for you. There must be a good mixture of all these type of sermons. It can't all be a love sermon. It can't all be a fire and brimstone sermon. And that's a lot of why we assign topics at certain times, of things that we see and that the congregation might need. And we try to, to do that and need to be better about doing that several times. There was a friend of mine, I'll tell you this story as I close tonight. Uh, there was a friend of mine that was, um, went to Trinity over here for a while. You might know that the uh, preacher over there at one point in time was Jimmy Evans. Very big on marriage and counseling and marriage seminars and all this type of stuff. He was a single guy, didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have a wife. And he said, every single sermon is about marriage and family. I don't have either one. <laughs> and so there needs to be a good type of mixture. And comfort needs to be part of that as, too, as well. I'm sorry I went so long tonight. There's several things I needed to say, and uh, uh, Noah will have to take out part of his time. Thanks. <laughs> Good evening. We're going to continue the study tonight on our motivation for teaching God's word. And we, when we think about our motivation to do anything in our service to God, it has to be of a pure motive. And hopefully what we can get across tonight will, will help you to, to find your motivation when preaching God's word. You know, when we think of Matthew chapter 28, it was mentioned earlier, but Jesus is talking and what he says here in verse 18, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is a call for us. It doesn't matter who we are sitting in this congregation. If we have accepted Christ, if we have obeyed the gospel, we all have an obligation. And that obligation is to teach the word of God. Now, that might be a pri in a private setting. That might be in a small group. That might be teaching by our example. It might be in the public setting as we're going to address this week. But what we have to understand is each one of us has an obligation to teach the word of God and to spread that word. And that's commanded of us. This week, as we talk about preaching in the, in the idea of preaching to the congregation in the public sense, we have to find what our motivation is. And I think our motivation can be summed up in two things. First of all, glorifying God. And secondly, edifying the congregation. That should be our goal. That should be our desire. That should be our push. That's why we do what we do. And I think we'll get into that a little deeper tonight. But on the surface, that is what we should strive to do. And again, that's a small part of that great commission. But we need men who are willing to do that. Men who are willing to put in that effort and do the, the work. Because it's, when you think about it, it's a responsibility. And it's hard work. And I think we're truly blessed with several men here that are willing and able to do that. And that's a great thing. But the fact is, as we go throughout this week, we can all get better. We can all do better. We can all work harder. And I think that's the point. Of what we're trying to get across this week. When we think about, about our, our motivation. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says. And he gave some apostles. And some prophets. And some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers. 
So when he talks about that, he doesn't say that everyone is going to preach in this setting. Some of us will. Some of us have that ability. Some of us may not. And that's okay. If you are a male member and you just can't do this, that is okay. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less important to the body of Christ. But what we have to understand, if we have that ability, we need to work hard at it. And we need to be motivated by the fact that we want to glorify God and that we love the souls of those people who are here to listen to God's word. That's our motivation. You know, I think of Matthew chapter nine and verse verse 37, when Jesus says the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What that means is there's a lot of people out in the world that need to hear Jesus Christ, that need to hear the gospel, but there's not a lot of people willing to do it. There's not enough people out there willing to spread that word. And, you know, when we think about that and the overall idea of the Great Commission. We need to teach. We need to learn and we need to go out and spread that word. And like we said earlier, this is just a small part of that, but it's an important part of that. And it's a big job. It's a responsibility. And if we make the decision to to take part in that, we need to understand and have the pure motivation to know that we are here to glorify God, that we are here to edify and help spread the gospel. You see, it's not about us. It's not about how great of a speaker we are. It's not about the big words we use. What it's about is that we are a messenger of God's word, plain and simple. That's our motivation. You know, Toward the end of that, verse 12 of that same chapter, it says, For the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We preach God's word and we take this responsibility to preach God's word. And that's why. So that we can equip the others, the listeners. So we can get them ready to go out and be productive Christians. And then I think of 2 Timothy chapter 2 here, where in verse 2, where it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul's talking to, to Timothy here, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. So Paul's basically saying, these things that, that you've heard from me, these things I've taught you, teach other people. And here's the bottom line. Who shall be able to teach others also? That goes back to Matthew chapter 9, doesn't it? Where it says the harvest truly is plentiful. Harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. There are a lot of people out there to hear the word of God. And if we are teaching the word of God and we're communicating and getting that message out, we're working to solve that problem, aren't we? But that's why it's important that we understand the motivation behind that. Because again, it's not about us. It's about telling people about the word of God. It's about strengthening the church. It's about making our society a better society. One person at a time. You know, I think somebody who had a great motivation, and we're probably going to hear a lot about this man throughout the week is Paul. When we read Romans chapter 10, beginning verse 1, we see his motivation. It says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God uh, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's why we preach the word of God. 
Not to get a pat on the back, not to say, hey, you did a great job. But to what, what we get out of that is to know that we have given that message of God's word. And it has the power to save. And that was Paul's motivation, wasn't it? To preach the word so that people could be saved. It had nothing to do with him. Verse 14. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Another thing that Paul understand, understood is basically that if he didn't do it, who was going to? Remember, the labors are few. And I'm going to tell you, there are even fewer who are going to be able and do and preach from this capacity. And if you have that ability and you can do that or you can work on building that up and making yourself a stronger teacher and a stronger preacher, do it. Because God needs that. God needs that to build a church. But he also knew in verse 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what we understand by this is that it's not about any great wisdom that we have. It's about relaying the message of Christ, plain and simple. That's what it is. That's what we're here to do. To share the word of God. To help people understand more about God and the blessings that come from obeying the gospel. You see, what it comes down to is being motivated by love. Having a motivation that is pushed by a love both for God and a love for the souls of others. You know, if, if you get up here enough times and you do a pretty good job, you're going to get some pats on the back. People are going to tell you, hey, you did a great job. You did awesome. And, and that feels good. It feels good to us. We can't let that become our motivation to preach the word of God. You see, because that takes away from our purpose. That takes away from our service to God. And I think of what, what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul was selfless when it came to his service. In verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Essentially what Paul's saying is he didn't want to do anything that would take away from God's word. You see, he didn't strive to be the best speaker. He understood he wasn't the best. He didn't strive to use these big, fancy words. Those are the type of things that take away from the message, isn't it? You see, our job is simple. It's not simple, but the idea of it, the theory of it is, is simple. That we are to relay God's word in a way that people can understand it. And Paul understood that. You see, he wasn't motivated to be the best apostle. He wasn't motivated to be called the best speaker. And you have to think of what's taking place here in Corinth at the time. They held their speakers that could speak very high. They could speak eloquently, that use those big words. They were held very high in society. That wasn't what Paul was seeking. He wasn't seeking a selfish gain. He was seeking a gain for the church, a gain for Christ. And that's what we have to seek. When we make the decision 
to take on this responsibility. That should be our motivation. Are we glorifying God? Are we edifying the church? And I think that kind of leads to this idea of the gravity of teaching God's word. We have to understand, before we can truly be motivated in a pure way, we have to understand the importance of what it means to teach God's word. Because it's important. And I think sometimes maybe we start young and we don't really understand that. I know I didn't. I know when I first started out, I didn't understand the fact that what I was doing was pretty important. I just knew that somebody asked me to preach and I'm going to try to give a lesson that people aren't going to sleep through, right? And I'm pretty sure people did. But the fact is, we have to understand how important the job that we're doing up here is. The gravity of that. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12, it says, Even so ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, listen to this, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's not waiting to the last minute, Saturday before you preach on Sunday, throwing a lesson together and hoping that just being okay was going to be good enough. That's not getting up here and apologizing because you didn't, you didn't have time to put the effort in. If you have to apologize for your lesson before it starts, something's wrong. Because when we think about what we're doing, we're relaying the words of God himself. First Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. What that means is, when we're speaking, we should be speaking the words of God himself. It goes on, that, all, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I want, you to, I want you to imagine this. So maybe I get a phone call from President Donald Trump, right? And he calls me and I understand this is the most powerful man in the world, right? He's the president of the United States and he has a message for me to deliver. He wants me to deliver this message. And at the end, he said, the fate of the nation rests on you delivering this message. I'm going to take that seriously. Because I don't want the nation to crumble because of something I said, right? I want to make sure that I have it down, that I understand what I'm saying, and I'm going to, pre- I'm going to teach it in a way or deliver this message in a way that people understand it. Yet we take this responsibility. I don't think sometimes we think of what is actually happening. We have a message from the creator of the universe. And we have a responsibility to deliver that message in a way that the people who are hearing it can understand. And the fate of souls are at stake. And you think about the fact that if we gain the whole world and lose our soul, it's not worth it, is it? And yet, I think sometimes we get up here and we don't truly consider that. We don't consider that what we are speaking should be the words of God. That's important. And it's a big job. And before we get up here, before we make the decision to to teach, we need to make sure we understand what we're saying and we need to make sure we understand where that message is coming from. Because it's important, it's vital. And like Carrie said, 
The church growth depends on it. It's so important. And that means we have to know and deliver our material understandably. We have to know that material, and then we have to be able to deliver it. You know, I think sometimes we think of the idea of putting a sermon together is the most important part, and it's very important, but I think the presentation is, is just as important. It's just as important. Because we can study all day long, but if we deliver a message that people don't understand, really what good did it do? We've got to work on both of those parts. And we think about that idea of just waiting to the last minute, putting a lesson together. Maybe it's a lesson we did 15 years ago. I'm going to tell you, if I do a lesson for 15 years ago, you are all falling asleep. You're probably walking out. But I think sometimes we do that. We don't really put everything we have into it. And that puts us at risk. That puts us at risk of not understanding what we're preaching. And in turn, that puts the souls of others at risk. Because we might not be delivering the message according to what God's word would have us to say. Because we haven't put the effort in. We don't truly understand the gravity of what we're doing. You think of Luke chapter 6 and 39. Can the blind lead the blind? They're both going to fall into the ditch, right? Luckily, we have men and elders here that if we were up here and, and we did preach something that wasn't according to God's word, that would be corrected. It's not like that everywhere. 20 years ago, I don't know. We've got to know the material. And what that means, it's more than just waiting the day before we preach or the week before we preach. That means we're in the word of God constantly. First Timothy 4 and verse 13 He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands. Listen to this. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That that thy profiting may appear to all. You see the importance there? When we make the decision to teach the word of God. It's more than just preparing right before a sermon. It's a constant preparation. It means that we're in the word of God constantly. That we are striving to learn more. That we are striving to understand. And here's what at risk. What's at risk? It says, for in doing this, thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. See, this message is important. Not because of how good of a speaker we are or because of the big words we use, but because it's God's word. And it's important. And everyone needs to hear that. We have to take the time. We have to practice. We have to study. We have to put everything we have into this. Do we put more time into Facebook than we do studying for a lesson? I hope not. Because this is a message from the Word of God. And that comes to this idea that not everyone is is meant to be a public teacher. And like we said, that's okay. That's all right. It doesn't make you any less of a person. You know, a lot of times, I know when I was growing up, I knew that the male members preached. And I knew that that's probably something I needed to do. And I think it's a disservice if we're just going to go ahead and throw, throw people up when they first become a Christian or when they're young without preparing them for that, without helping them understand what they are doing, 
Because I'm going to tell you, I didn't understand what I was doing when I first started preaching. As I grow older, I feel more, I mean, I, I feel the importance of it more and more. When I was young, I didn't know. I just knew that, hey, I was going to speak some words. But we have to help people understand that when we decide to preach the word of God, our lives should be different. Our lives should be changed. When you look at James chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, My brethren, be, ye not, many, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that, ye shall receive, that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That means a stricter judgment. That means we're going to be judged harsher than somebody who does not teach the word of God. And here's why. Because we are delivering the word of God. And there are certain things that are expected of us. If we're going to preach against something, we better be trying to implement that into our lives. You see, it's more than just speaking words. It's a lifestyle. When you think of hypocrite, you think of the scribes and Pharisees, right? Why is that? Because they knew the word of God. They loved to be called master and teacher. But they didn't live it. And anytime we talk about being hypocritical, that's what we think of. We think of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, what is different in us? Who get up here and maybe we preach about not letting alcohol change who we are. And then every Saturday, the next Saturday, we're out at a bar getting drunk, making Doing whatever after we just preached about it. What does that do? It hinders. Not, it, not only does it affect yourself, but it hinders the purpose of what the church is doing. And it hinders the growth of the church. And it waters down God's word. When we make the decision to speak, to teach, we better be trying to live it out. It's more than just a few words. It's a change in our lifestyle. Romans 22 and verse 21, it says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that, that makest thy boast of the law, through the breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? Do we preach one thing and then go do the other? Because if we are, we're not being an effective teacher and we're not glorifying God. And remember, that's our motivation. Not only that, we're not edifying because people see that, yeah, we might say it, but we don't really care about it enough to live it. If we're willing to teach it, we better be willing to live it. It's so important that we practice what we preach. You know, as we close tonight, I hope that we've laid a a foundation for this upcoming week. And I commend Carrie and, and Craig for seeing this, the importance in teaching. The fact is, is you could have never teached before. Maybe your first lesson is coming up or maybe you've teached 500 times. The fact is we can always work harder. We can always do better. And what happens when we commit to that is the church grows stronger. The cause of Christ grow stronger. And I hope this week we can take the things that we learn and grow together because again, this is a team effort. This is something that we're going to work on together. It's something that we're going to strive to do together. 
And yeah, we're very blessed with our teaching here. We'll be the first to say that. Well, second, because Carrie said it earlier. But we are blessed, but it doesn't mean that it stops there. So hopefully this week we can continue on as we uh, go through this, these uh, different studies. So tomorrow night you're going to hear a study about how to study and prepare for a lesson. And Friday night, the mechanics of making a sermon. And then finally on, on Saturday night, presenting the lesson. And we don't want to forget the Saturday workshop where we can all come together and work together. Because that's the goal, isn't it? The goal is to spread the word of God. And the more effectively we can do it, the better the church is. The better off the church will be in the future. I know we haven't talked about the gospel tonight, but that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's about us being able to effectively preach the gospel. Because it changes lives. And if you're here tonight and you have not obeyed the gospel and would like to do that tonight, we can, we can help you with that. Or maybe you have fallen away or something's holding you back or maybe you just have something going on in your life you want the prayers of the church we can do that for you too if you'll come to the front as we stand and sing the psalm that's been selected <laughs>